0: Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, hey, we are coming to the end of this season of the podcast, and we are going to end the season with one more normal episode today, and then next week we'll be jumping into a Q&A episode where I answer questions that have been coming into me for the duration of this season. Now, after that, as we head into the heart of the summer, we're going to shift to Firetime Magazine rapid reaction episodes where we play the audio article of a Firetime Magazine piece, and I give you my immediate rapid reaction to it as I listen to it. And we'll be putting those out throughout the rest of the summer as we gear up for our next season that's going to start the Tuesday after Labor Day. So if you're listening to this in real time, we're so thankful to have you. And that's going to be the rhythm of these next episodes. So in today's conversation, this is actually a really cool episode. It was an impromptu one and it came about because I was in North Carolina a few months ago for a conference that I was speaking at there. And one of the nights I was at the bar, I think it was a TGI Fridays, and I sat down and started talking with a particular sales rep out of the Southeast. And we hit it off and we, we started talking more and more and more about the industry. And I didn't realize that he was partners with another rep who I'd met a while back. And the conversation that we had was really, really fascinating. And throughout that whole trip, I feel like I really learned something about the way that business is done in the South. And I wanted to have an episode with both Gideon and Kenneth to just talk about their world and some of the things that they've been doing to make an impact. And if you remember a couple years ago, we had an episode that we called The Forgotten Territory. And it was with Zach and Malcolm Fisher where we talked about the Maritimes in Canada. And I felt like the purpose of that episode was to shine a light on an amazing part of the world that is often ignored and just highlight what's going on there. And that is exactly what today's episode is. So as you guys listen to this, I want you to think about what is unique about the situation that Gideon and Kenneth deal with in the South and what things can you take away To put into practice where you are, I myself had a lot of things that I've been thinking about since this conversation, but I'll share those on the back end of this episode. So, with that said, I'm gonna share this conversation that I had with two sales reps out of the Southeast. I think you're gonna get a ton of value out of it, and I'll come back at the end to share those thoughts. Joining me from Huntsville, Alabama, and Hickory, North Carolina are Kenneth Walker and Gideon Honeycutt sales reps for Valor and Blaze King. Guys, I'm really excited that you're here today. How you doing? I'm
1: doing great, Yeah,
2: Good. Thanks for having us on, Tim.
0: Yeah, you bet. You know, I, I couldn't fit your title, Gideon, of the Sultan of Smoke, but uh, I, I like that. Does that fit in a business card okay? Uh,
2: Lord of Fire, Sultan of Smoke. Uh, you know, I go by many names.
0: Yeah. I have a friend who on his business card, it literally says Fire, fire Space Engineer.
1: Oh, I like that. <laughs> Very good.
0: Well, guys, I'm excited for this conversation. And it's funny how it came about, you know, probably two months ago, I was in North Carolina. And and Kenneth, we've we've chatted before over the years, but I'd never met Gideon. And we were having a conversation. I, I think it was like inside of a TGI Fridays or something like that. And you guys were just bringing me up to speed on the Southern market. And for me being a pacific northwest and really just like a west coast guy it was something that was just very unfamiliar to me and i thought that there was a really cool conversation in here so i guess maybe to start out let's 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 go with an origin story a little bit so how did each of you get to the role that you're in being being a sales rep for valor and blaze king in in the south
1: uh well for me i started working at a small family store in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, turns out they were They would end up being my family, my in-laws, but, uh, started there in the warehouse, uh, totally going to be an in a temporary job, not looking for a career there quickly went to the sales floor for three or four years, uh, did some installations on the side as well. Ended up becoming the store manager for about two years. Um, Really enjoyed it, but had the opportunity to become an independent sales rep for multiple brands, uh, just through the connections that i have made over the years. Decided to make that jump, and uh, have really, really enjoyed it. That's what got me outside of just Huntsville, Alabama, and I started seeing the whole region. So that's where I am now.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. How about you, Gideon?
2: Yeah, I mean our, our backgrounds are very similar. Uh, I. Worked at a hard store right out of, well, while I was still in high school briefly. And then into college, got a bachelor's degree in economics, uh, worked full time after that, uh, doing lead sales and stuff like that. And then just, um, you know, an opportunity eventually arose to become a rep for Valor first, Blaze King second, and that's sort of where it burst.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. And uh, Kenneth, like you, you know, I ended up working for family it didn't start out that way but but they became my family i guess technically they became my family after i left the business but you know i was i was dating my my wife and started working for her dad doing installations of of wood stoves and and that was really the start of it you know for you guys though now in, in this conversation that we were having you were you were talking about how especially in the south there's a difference with the rest of the country and i haven't spent a lot of time in the south but the little bit of time that i have i felt that difference and you know, to be honest, I you know I spend a lot of time on the different coastlines, the East Coast and the West Coast, and I think that there is an arrogance on the coastlines where we think we have it figured out, and and it, businesses are easy to feel entitled. Like, hey, these customers are lucky that we're here, and I feel like for my time in the South, that has not been the case. Where there just seems to be a difference, even when you go into a restaurant where the folks there genuinely seem to be happy that you are in there at their business. For me, that's just something that I've noticed. I I wanted to talk a little bit about like, what are some of the distinctives that, that you have seen to be true in the South, just from your upbringing and your experience as a, as a rep on the road?
1: Well, I think the South, generally speaking, we definitely have a tendency to, to try to be very friendly. I guess you've probably seen that and, I think people genuinely are happy you come into their business because we don't have parts stores all over the place. You know, it's very sparse. Sometimes I'm driving three or four hours between dealers or, or sometimes uh, with nothing in between So people are very happy to have you come in. And, uh, I think generally speaking, we're also a very just honest type of people down here, at least the dealers that I deal with, they want want it straight they're not going to try to beat you anything uh but at the same time i think a lot of times they're very comfortable with what we do and sometimes it can be hard for us to to change and go to something else and to adapt maybe yeah um but it's also very regional i say that because even though we're both in the south Gideon, i'm sure will chime into this that his region is very different from my region. But keep in mind, I cover from Texas all the way to Georgia and from Tennessee all the way yeah. to Florida. And Florida is a whole nother conversation.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you find, Gideon?
2: Well, I mean, I've only ever been a rep in this region, so it's a lot of... Uh, you know, when I say that there are unique differences and when we had that conversation, that's mostly derivative of other conversations with other reps in parts of the country. I've never been a rep in New York, so I don't know all the intricacies of it. But in conversations with guys um, and girls that are in other areas, there do seem to be some unique differences about the South, primarily rooted in not just the warmer climate, but the fact that there are significantly less hearth stores down here. Uh, You know, I've talked to other reps and Their biggest sort of problem is figuring out which one of the 19 hard stores in this city do I want to be my primary dealer. And I'm like, okay, well, I've got states that don't have 19 hard stores in the whole state, right? So there's a little bit of of complication in that regard. But um, aside from longer drive times and stuff like that, it's just probably very similar in the sense that you just have to know people and know how to work with people. And I don't think I have it figured out. I mean, Kenneth will attest to this. There's, there's plenty of people in my territory who are like, oh yeah, Gideon's great, and then some would be like, eh, overrated, <laughs> not that great a rep. So I don't, I don't want to pretend like I, I, know what I'm talking about necessarily. But you asked me on here, so here I am.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that that makes me think, Gideon. You know, again, so you, say so you have a state that doesn't even have 19 stores in it. I know we you know, we're speaking hyperbolically, but. When you're in a territory where, say, there's only one retailer, I would imagine that the power balance swings compared to a market where there's, you know, 20 retailers and the rep kind of has the keys to who's going to get the line. How do you help a team train and improve when they're the only show in town and where you don't have other options out, outside of them. How, how do you navigate that diplomatically and help that business grow when I imagine it would be easy to resist change?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, part of it is when we talk about struggles in the South, it's not like, oh, you know, it's, it's this terrible thing. It's the same struggles everybody has. Uh, we ha- Our struggles are the dealer struggles and vice versa, which is that it's hard to sell wood stoves when it's 130 degrees outside, uh, you know, or... Dealers down here might not generally have the type of leverage that dealers in the Northeast ordering 250 stoves a year have when you're down here ordering five or 10 stoves a year. So I feel like the the job of the rep, some people get it misconstrued and it's like you're the manufacturer's rep. So you're the, the rep from the manufacturer to the dealer. It's just as true inverted. You are the rep from the dealer back to the manufacturer and making sure that the dealer's needs are met. And I think, to, to answer your question specifically, when you have one dealer, you know, a big town and there's one fireplace store, which is not uncommon down here. Um, the, the key is not to try to convince them why your product is better than everybody else. It's because everybody's got good product. I mean, Valor awesome product. Blaise King is awesome product. They do sell themselves to some extent. But at the end of the day, a lot of people have awesome product and you can't just go in and strong arm people. It's much easier to take it from the perspective of how can I offer you something that other people aren't?
0: Yeah. What what would you say are like some things that that both of you guys are doing to do that?
2: Well, I mean, again, and this is again, not to say that we, you know, I've got it figured out. This is just what I do. But having done retail for several years, when I got into the rev thing, I was determined not to be. A rep like I'm gonna be a rep but I'm not gonna be like every other rep because to be honest with you I didn't really like reps very much when I was doing retail it's like I'm in the middle of a $15,000 quote and you've come by now for the fourth time this month to waste my time tell me about your 49th line that you just picked up and oh by the way here's a pen and a notebook for free (laughs) you know like what I drive from that other than another pen that I'm not gonna use and so I try, for my part anyway, to create value in other ways. For example, I don't travel that much compared to a lot of reps. I'm probably on the road, you know, five or six days a month on average. Some months it's 20 days, some, some months it's one day, but I average probably around a week a month. Because for me, when I was doing retail, what I valued from a rep is that I can call you you're going to answer, you're going to answer my question or very quickly find an answer if you don't otherwise know it. And then I can move on and solve the problem. It's more helpful for me to call you and you immediately to know the lead time on a product or how to technically troubleshoot a problem. Or, you know, you can answer the sales question that I have. That's more helpful than that fourth calendar that you just brought me. Like I've got plenty of calendars on my wall.
0: Dude, I hear that. I hear that. And there's, there's some stories that I want to tell. Kenneth, how about you? Like, what are, what are some ways that, that you actively try to give value outside of just the product that you offer?
1: Um, a lot of them are very similar to the way that Gideon just described it. And when I became a rep, the first thing I did was sit down. And I'm like, all right, uh, what did I not get when I was a dealer? What, what was the things that were left alone I never got enough of? The first thing for me was training. Um, I felt like I never had enough training for me and my team. Uh, so that was one of the things that I built it around. And a lot of my travel is built around training when I'm going in, you know, and and setting up dealers or trying to get in with dealers. Uh, that's great. If you say yes to my product line and and I tell them straight up, I was like, if you say yes, I'm going to have you do all the paperwork, all that other stuff. Great. You're a dealer. My next question is when can I come back and do training? Because you're not going to sell my products until you have the training. And now that I've been doing this for three and a half, going on four years, I can look back and say that that's true. you know. And just like yeah. Indian said, I'm not going to tell you I have all of the answers, but I can find out the answers for you. And if you ask me a question that I don't know the answer to, I want to know because somebody else is going to ask that same question down the line. So... When I do the trainings, I give them cards, say, this is my phone number. You don't call technically. You call me. If it's sales-related, you call me. If it's technical, you call me. If you don't get me, I will call you back as soon as I can. I'm probably with another dealer doing a training or answering a phone call. And um that's kind of what I built it around. And I think Gideon will agree with this as well. As I travel and as I talk to dealers, uh, once they found or find out that I was a dealer, I was a retail guy, I managed a store, it's like a wall comes down. Yeah. And they appreciate it. Cause and I've had people tell me, they're like, oh, well, you know some of the struggles that I faced. I so said, yes, I do. They might not be the exact same ones, but yeah, I faced a lot of them. I know what it's like to have a customer breathing down your neck, wanting to know what your product is, and you know, all the other things that go along with it. So again, very much like Gideon said, just finding those little things that dealers need that they're not getting. And really that's just down here, especially, I think it's just relationship is what it comes down to.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, to summarize it, I guess it would be what does a dealer actually derive value from? Um, You know, like Kenneth and I, I know this is true Kenneth. It's true of me. We legitimately get excited at, every sale at every phone call at every like i've got dudes that'll text me guys and girls that'll text me like hey just sold an h3 just sold a blaze king princess whatever and it's like dude i'm pumped i'm texting them back i'm pumped you made that sale i'm not uh you know i'm not a big numbers guy of like okay but you haven't sold 40 this year so it doesn't (laughs) count who who wants to be that high it's like oh you sold 38 last year, and you've only sold 36 this year. So you actually suck. (laughs) Like, have you ever been at a hard store, Kenneth, and browbeat somebody over their sales? I've never done it. It's much more uh, exciting to just get pumped when somebody sells something and to help be a part of it. I have dealers FaceTime me from their showroom with their customers sometimes and be like, hey, they're just bought your fireplace, just wanted to say, hey, you know, you're the rep, blah, blah, blah. And it's awesome. I love meeting people like that. It, It makes it easier to be. Uh, a really proactive rep when you genuinely like your
1: job. And I think probably Kenneth and I both like our jobs more than the average person. I I love my job. In fact, my, my wife told me the other day, um, I used to be in landscaping. I didn't talk about that, but that's what my degrees in from, from Auburn. And I used to do that. And she told me, she goes, you know what? I never realized it, but when you had your landscape business, you didn't have passion for it, but you have passion for what you do now. You know, and I was like, really, it's that noticeable. She said, absolutely. There's a big difference yeah. uh, that, that she saw. So.
0: It seems like the heart of what both of you guys are saying is is people. So like, Kenneth, when you talked about, you know, don't call the tech department. If it's sales related, if it's tech related, you just call me. And, and like, Gideon, you talked about like, I got to look at, do they want an extra bad pen and a calendar or do they want me to pick up my phone with the answer when they call me, right? You know, you guys are looking at what is actually giving value. And I, I would joke about this. It's been a little while since since I had the retail stores that I managed. But for, for me personally, if if I get invited out to play golf, that is like the last thing on my to-do list. And it's not that I hate golf, but I just don't have four hours to spend with someone. I, I don't know that. Well, when I could have just been handed a pamphlet and and talked to in just a quick business conversation, it's not that golf's bad. That's fine. It's just not, it's not my thing, right? It's not what gives me value. Now there's other people that that would give them a ton of value. And I think that oftentimes it's easy to just copy and paste. Oh, I like to play golf. So I'm going to ask this person to play golf or, oh, I've got all these free calendars. So I'm just going to go give these calendars out versus thinking about what would really give value to this individual retailer in Huntsville, Alabama that's different than the retailer in Atlanta, Georgia?
2: Yeah. I I think Kenneth and I are the same in this, just thinking off of that. So like when I'm not traveling, I'm at my desk with, you know, Power BI pulled up with all of these software tools that we have. So I can, you know, if somebody calls me, I can quickly check inventory. I can quickly You know, Most of my days responding to phone calls and emails and text messages, I actually feel the least productive when I'm traveling Hmm. Uh, because that's the time where somebody calls me and I can't give them an answer because I'm on the road and I can't pull my computer up safely while I'm driving. So I got to get to the next stop or I'm in a meeting and I can't answer my phone or something like that. So when I do travel and I do travel, it's very deliberate, very specific. You've been on my calendar for months or weeks. I'm going to see you. Uh, you know and and I'm not cold calling anybody I'm not stopping in like oh I'm just in the area so I thought I like no forget that nobody wants that um and and I try to be productive at my desk that's where I feel the most helpful at dealers
0: that's great and kenneth like so when you talked about training I resonate so much with this man you know I was I was taught to sell by sales reps you know uh, I've talked about this before in the podcast but like Kip Rumens, Ed Hozak, Deb Hannig, like those are the the three that just invested in me over and over and. I think, oh yeah, you guys know Deb yep. Hanig, right? Absolutely, she's with Valor, yep. yeah, but De- like, I mean, yeah, Deb's dude, awesome. yeah, dude. No joke. Like the three of them, I mean, like they taught me almost everything I know, and so reps have such an important role in the formation of salespeople, and. You know, Kenneth, as you're talking about making this training investment, I just feel like that's such a value add. When I was when I was managing my sales teams, the best thing a rep could do is they could come in and teach my team to sell, right? Not read me the brochure and tell me that this comes with five decorative fronts and a birch log set, but they could come onto the floor and say, hey, we got this new gas insert. I'm going to teach you how to sell it. You're the customer. I'm the salesperson. Let's go. You know, to me, that that instantly took a rep to like the highest of 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 the you know the highest rating on the pantheon scale because that solved an immediate problem I had which was helping my team be more productive.
1: Yeah and that's very true. And I guess I would have to say I'm not sure that I was ever taught properly how to sell by anybody. I gotta it figured it out. <laughs> and oh uh, looking back he still doesn't know how to sell properly. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> um, well, it's an ongoing thing for sure. But um, I definitely think that that is lacking and for, most, for most people. But I think part of that also stems from the fact that I have never in my life met anybody in the hearth industry uh, that intentionally got into the hearth industry. I have yet to meet anybody. Yeah. I've asked everybody that question. How did you get into this industry? And it's some weird way of getting in there by accident. Yeah. And if you think about that, people prep for a career to do something. They go to college, they go to school, and they get an education. But nobody does that to get into the art industry. So we're never properly taught how to do sales and even installs and all this stuff. But yet our, our industry uh Requires everything. It requires all of that yeah. business and construction and people skills and everything, but there's no school to go to. And the thing that I'm trying to do as a rep when I go into whether it's in Atlanta, whether it's in Memphis or Texas or whatever, um, I'm trying to bring with me a little bit of the, the things that I see in the region and yeah. share it. Because again, as a dealer, when I was in Huntsville, i had these little blinders on and i could see what was going on in huntsville alabama and that was it and the small area around there and then when i walked out into the whole region, it's like oh my gosh atlanta is drastically different from huntsville huntsville's different from dallas jacksonville florida is drastically different but you can still take things from different dealers and share and hopefully help them two or three quick
2: add-ons to that we we don't Kenneth and I share in this we don't just do sales training we also do technical training and that's a really important thing because at the end of the day I can take you a product I can say this is an awesome product here's how to sell it and then you sell it and the first time you have an issue in the field and you don't know how to address it that's a problem Mm -hmm. so something that I Kenneth is correct we both make ourselves the the first phone call to make for tech and if we don't know the answer we certainly have the resources to get it but I think technical training, I mean, Kenneth, I know, can probably attest to this. I'll have people call with things that are not Valor, you know, something like a Peterson set of logs that uses the same control system. And they'll ask me, you know, and, and your job is to help the dealer. My job isn't to sell fireplaces. My yep. job is to help the dealer because they're the one selling fireplaces. So anything I can do to help, even if that's helping you fix a different product that I'm not making anything on, it's that's my job. And the other thing I was going to add is that having the team around you, like, dude, I don't know how many times I've gotten a phone call and it's like, hey, I'm having this technical issue and I can't help them immediately. So I call Kenneth and I'm like, hey, man, got this technical thing. He probably gets annoyed with me. Actually, there have been one or two times where I just was driving and didn't feel like stopping. So I called him anyway, but, uh, you know, Kenneth will help. And then the other thing is like, you know, Valor and Blaze King are, like, awesome companies. And that's a top-down thing, too. Like, this is not me and Kenneth innovating or reinventing the wheel. The first, you know, our boss, Art Sewell, for Valor, is very, stresses technical understanding for us and being very interpersonal with dealers. Our boss with Blaze King, uh, Chris Newfeld, who you know, same thing. First time I ever had a meeting with Chris when he was giving me the Blaze King job, it was, like, an hour-long Zoom of him telling me what i should know and what my role is to the dealer and it's a lot of the same stuff we're talking about it's not like we just made this up
0: yeah yeah man I, I hear you that's that's really really good we'll get back to our episode with Kenneth and Gideon in just one second hey if you're listening to this in real time then you are in the dog days of the fireplace industry when it's hot outside door swings slow down, and you get the feeling, is it ever going to pick back up again? At least that was what was true for me. Well, if you are looking to boost your sales and get the most out of your team during this time leading into the busiest time of the year, you need to take advantage of Wi-Fi. At its heart, Wi-Fi is software that helps you write up lightning-fast estimates. Seriously, The market has shifted and we cannot be content to play defense anymore. We have to teach our sales teams to play offense. The problem is many of our metaphorical muscles have atrophied and companies don't know how to take that next step. Well, WIFIRE is set up to help you do that. Literally, it will give you tools for brand new salespeople so they can write up customized estimates their first day on the job. And for folks who have been doing this for a long time, there's advanced estimate builders so they can cut down their time and increase their productivity as well. If you've been thinking about this but haven't pulled the trigger yet, now's the time to sign up. And you can do that by going to WIFIRE.com. That's W-H-Y-F com. One thing I'm I'm curious about just with your region versus other parts of the country obviously relationships matter everywhere but it seems like the person to person connection matters that much more in the south like would you would you guys speak to that Uh yeah um it definitely does cuz
1: I don't know why that is, but I guess it's just the way we were raised down here for the most part. But, if, I mean, if you burn a bridge, you know, you might be done for life down here. And it might not even be something big. It might just be something minor that you overlooked, but it meant something to that person for whatever reason. And, and again, I do want to say there's a vast difference in a place like Atlanta, which is very sure. for you. You know, metro area, you know, six and a half million people versus Ethelsville, Alabama that nobody knows about, you know, but it's vastly different dealers, but they're going to look at everything very differently. But it's, it's kind of funny. You know, we, we joke down here that, you know, if somebody says, bless your heart to you, that can mean 20 billion different things. That can literally mean, Oh, we feel bad for you, but that, or that could also mean like, you know, get away from me. We're, we're done. You know, you're an idiot. So it's very tonal. So you got to know what, you know, what you said and read the person. And I think that's why it's important to have more face to face with people and look them in the eye when you're talking to them, you know, and and get really what they're trying to tell you. Um, Like you said, you haven't traveled around this mud, the the South very much. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. But you can
1: tell there's just something different down here.
0: Yeah. What would you say to that Gideon? Yeah. I mean, I
1: think that just like I said
2: earlier, and then to wrap it back around to the set off, that my, my issues are the dealer's issues. That's, that's my job is to make your problems my problems and figure out how to help you fix them. But part of it of, of having, of being sparsely populated with hard stores and, you know, chimney companies and HVC companies, the type of companies that we work with in the industry, it does give you the ability to kind of breathe a little bit and grow interpersonal relationships with your dealers like i know kenneth would probably say this too I, several of my dealers have become legitimate like friends like i'll text them you know they'll text me at nine o'clock at night some just been like hey you watching the game or you know what did you shoot this weekend shot a Glock. <laughs> you know whatever we, we went to the range and had some so it gives you the ability to to form interpersonal links and then it gives you the ability to sort of be creative in ways to help them because my job is to help you grow your company, right? So for example, and you know about this, Tim, we talked about it a couple months ago, but one of the things I do for um, some hard stores, if they want me to, is I'll do um, virtual reality tours of their showrooms, for example, Um, using Matterport and different 360 software. I've done a handful now and have several more that I would like to do, but it's just a cool, unique way to add value. You know, it's a skill set that I acquired through college and learned how to do, um, and, and so now I can go in and give me 45 minutes in somebody's showroom, a couple of weeks to do some editing. And I can give you an actual, uh, embed code to a virtual reality tour that I've put together of your showroom that you can now put on your website. And, you know, maybe you have 15 Valors on your showroom. Maybe you have one. I've done it for every mix. Um, if you look at the, at your job is to, to grow the dealer, not necessarily to grow your own, you know, your own line. But to help the company, I think it puts a different perspective on it. And I think one follows the other.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. You know, one thing I have noticed from just the, the time that I've spent in the South is the pacing. So I get very hyped up and i get pumped and i talk fast and i want to i want to move fast and literally like as we were scheduling this podcast right like gideon me and you had been talking about it we kind of loosely confirmed the date i shot an email to kenneth really quickly and kenneth you were like whoa what are we doing we got to talk about this and it wasn't antagonistic but but there was just a difference in pacing and i just i've noticed that and i think that there is something to going at the appropriate speed of the relationship versus we got to get there, we got to get there, we got to get there, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's that very much varies from from area to area. And I've that that was a very important lesson that I learned over the course of the last probably three years is when I got into this. It's like okay, I got to grow, 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 got to get more dealers, more dealers, dealers. But I learned very quickly that it's patience. You got to have patience. You need persistence with patience, but you got to have patience because sure enough. 20 late 2020, 2021 started getting all these phone calls from other dealers that had been, you know, calling on and trying to get in their door for a year, a year and a half, two years. And they started coming back, you know, and reaching out to me. And. Now we're, we're cultivating that and growing that and slowly we're getting them in, involved, but it was just at their pace. You know, when I first came to them, they weren't ready for whatever reason. Um, a guy just emailed me today from Florida and he's like, hey, we, we've got space that we want to do a showroom. And like getting said earlier, That's, that just makes me ecstatic to think that I can get into Florida with my products, yeah uh, means I get to travel Florida more too. Yeah, which is always big. fun. Not a bad place to travel. Um, but it, <laughs> it's yeah, it's big. It's uh, but it's fun, you know. And I'm excited for the film that they're doing something new, and it's kind of interesting because I'm um, one thing I'm beginning to see, and I think. Uh, Gideon, you've probably seen this too. And Tim, I'm sure you've talked oh, about it yeah. too, but chimney companies, chimney service companies yeah, starting they're so showrooms.
0: They're so hungry.
1: That's, yeah, they are. And, you know, it's it's coming. There are more and more of them are doing it. And Gideon and I both are in an area where sometimes yeah. we don't have an option but to go after yeah. chimney service companies. Yep. That might be. You the only I mean,
0: both the both the product lines that you guys represent have been, in my opinion, some of the only ones in the industry that have actually taken an eye to chimney companies, and uh, that's a largely largely untapped space for for many fireplace manufacturers.
2: It, I think that it that people just get excited what you're excited about, and Kenneth and I are legitimately. I mean, dude, we nerd it out. I'll be laying. Yeah, I have dreams about fireplaces. It's weird. I actually had a dream that uh, I'm not going to say the manufacturer. I mean, and Kenneth we're talking about, I had a dream the other day that we were at the trade show and we were like firing cannon back and forth at another manufacturer. And then they like kidnapped me and waterboarded me for information. I don't know. You might cut that. You can do what you want. But that was be the types of weird dreams that I have i like lay they want to know then, all
0: about the catalytic technology of Blaze King. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's like yeah, <laughs> give me the give me the information on your stat. <laughs> yeah. You're like exactly. yeah. me. Um, but like I'll I'll lay, dude, I'll go into showrooms and visit somebody and on my way out I'll ask them if I can grab a brochure and then I just like read brochures from other manus. I mean, you know, we just like what we do. And I think when you get yeah. excited about something, people get excited about that thing as well.
0: Dude, I agree. It's infectious. And I love what you said, Kenneth, about the, the persistence and patience, right? So that's one thing I think in sales. I've been doing a lot of sales training lately. And literally this morning, I was I was doing a training for a company and I got asked a question about like, well, what do you do when they have this objection or when this happens, you know? And I was like, you know, that's a tough objection. And this is the way that I would recommend handling it. But here's the thing. Even Ted Williams only hit three seventy five, you know. Like that's the reality. Like he's one of the greatest hitters ever, which he is pretty hit good. That's uh, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, almost six and a half times out of ten, he's striking out. And and the reality is, like, our job is not to win every sale, and we can do all the right things, but the timing just may not be right. And so, of what you said about patience and persistence is just incredible that you have to persist and let people know, Hey, I'm ready when you're ready. Did you know about this? Hey, we have this thing coming up, but we're going to do this at your pace. Right. But, but there's the persistence to say like, I'm in it as long as you're in it. Once you tell me that, that you're done, like I'll go somewhere else. But until you tell me this thing's off the table, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stick by this and be persistent with it. I, I think that there's really something there.
1: Yeah, there, there is. And, and that can be really tough. Cause I mean, the, that it's great when you start building your dealer network and you get more and more and more dealers. The bad part is you get more and more and more dealers yeah. and you're, you've got to keep up with everybody and you've got to keep in yeah. touch with them like you, like you established. And that can get harder as you go, uh, especially the more lines you have. So it, it's a challenge, you know, very much so. And when you look at you know, my region... Physically talking about my region, it's plenty big to have multiple people working, but I just don't feel that that's the point where I where I'm at yeah. for it. So I don't do that. It's me covering that whole region, and um, you got to stay inside. You got to stay persistent, and it pays off in the long run. And that's what we're in it for: is the long run to yeah. make those dealers better.
0: I want to end and go in a little bit different direction, but I want to know your guys' take on this. When I go do consulting work, I'm, I'm pretty product agnostic. Um, I've done sales trainings and sales process trainings for almost every mix of products in our industry. And like you said, Gideon, there's a lot of stuff out there that, that is really good. I feel like the differentiator though, like if two companies sell the same brand or sell similar products in, in the categories that they have, I think that product stories... And product positioning is like the anchor for standing apart. And what I mean by that is say that I sell, you know, let's just you guys say I've got your guys' brands, Valor, Blaze King, and I've I've got another gas company as well. I feel like having a distinct story, why does Valor solve this problem where this brand solves this other problem? Why does blaze King solve this problem when this other wood stove solves this problem? Really clear stories. When I say a story, I'm not saying like a fable that you make up, but I mean, speaking in word pictures so that the concepts you're talking about are firmly cemented in people's minds. I feel like having clear product stories is literally everything. And then having an understanding of this is why this brand is here on the floor. This is why this brand is here versus like alphabet soup. Oh, we got a million brands. Well, this one does this, this one does this, this one does this. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I feel like that's so important. I'm, I'm curious um, just how that resonates with you guys. And if, if there's, there's anything that you do in particular along that vein,
1: I totally agree with you. I, I definitely like having the story behind yeah. the product, like a, a personal story. You know, that's why I, I encourage people to, you know, Turn these units on, you learn from them and you, you develop the stories that you can share with people. But frankly, if I'm going in and trying to establish a dealer and I have an option of maybe a smaller company that only has a few lines versus a company that has every yeah. line that they could possibly have. And I, I'm, I'm talking to both of them and trying to get into there and I can't give it to both people. Yeah, it's very likely I might go to a smaller company because if they're excited about the product and they understand what I'm telling them of, hey, this is this is the problems that it solves. This is why what it does differently than what you have. That smaller company can get it. That's what we did at the store I worked at. We didn't sell but a handful of direct vent fireplaces, maybe three or five a year. And. Now they're off the charts because we bought into it. You go into another dealer, maybe they're huge and they got every line under the sun. Okay, well, now I'm fighting for floor space and I'm also fighting to try to let your team understand all of those products. How can you expect somebody, one person, to know a full line of six different product lines? And know them intimately, yeah. and know everything about them, yeah. and know everything them. And, and with, with that, Kenneth, like You're to nine. know
0: with those six lines in this situation where three of them could work, why I am going to pick one over the other two? It's the contextualization that I think is the hardest part. I, I agree. Oftentimes, when I go in to look at a market to help yep. a dealer, it, I start googling who sells what. The people that have too many lines, and I would say, I mean, I mean, too many being like. Honestly, once you start creeping north of six, seven lines, dude, unless the dealer is ruthlessly intentional with we sell these in this situation, these in this situation, it's hard for the team to have any kind of focus and sales slip through the cracks. Yeah, they can. And I
1: think it's very important to have your core brands that you sell. Of course, Gideon, I want it to be Valorant Blaisking, but I mean, it's not for everybody. And, and, I, and we're, like you just said, we're not going to bat a thousand. It's not going to happen. So we know we're not going to get all the sales. That's fine. As long as the dealer is succeeding, then we're succeeding too. But um, you have a core line that you sell and that you know intimately. Thankfully, due to to distribution, you could get whatever you want, practically. If a customer wants that one brand, you can probably get it. But these three or four is what we focus on. And you know, Intimately, You know everything about it. You can answer the questions like that. That's what I'm after. And if I can be in that little brain, I'm happy. I was
0: talking to a friend the other day about sales because I think there always has to be differentiation. Like our problem as an industry is that we have too many similar products versus actual distinctions between them. And my friend was saying like, when you go to the taco truck, you get to pick a steak taco, a chicken taco, or a pork taco you don't have 17 varieties of a chicken taco because it's way too overwhelming and that's that's traditionally what our industry has and i think that the the best dealers and and you know what 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 you guys can offer as well is helping people to differentiate within what they have so there's a clear reason why this is a steak taco and why this is a chicken taco
2: yeah i, I don't i mean i don't disagree with any of that the the only yeah. thing that i would say is that um Definitely when you're talking about the South versus other regions, there are parts in the South that are similar to Northern regions, right? Where there's eight or 10 hearth stores in a city and, and they don't get the pick of the litter, right? And definitely in areas where there aren't a lot of hearth stores and hearth stores in the South can just kind of pick whatever they want. That's the biggest problem is that there's a glut. I've got nine different brands of direct vent fireplaces and I'm trying to yeah. display all nine. And because I do that, I don't get I give any of them any justice and I don't have any leverage with the manufacturer because instead of being a big spender with one manufacturer I'm a little spender with 10 and there's definitely problems with that but the other thing I was going to say aside from the story aspect of it is that I am passively aware of people's sales numbers and what they're doing I don't ever bring it up to people and it's not something that's ever on my mind when I go in somewhere and I've been in showrooms and helped sell fireplaces that weren't mine i don't know if that's something we're supposed to do or not but i've you know, you're helping the dealer right it's it's yeah to be helpful um so i, I just think that one fall is the other i think that if you're if your motives are genuine you're genuinely trying to help that person's company in any way that you can be it answer the phone when i call help me do a vr showroom Come by and give me technical training. Come by and give me sales training. Or maybe you're one of those people that wants nine calendars on your wall. I don't know. But I think (laughs) the job is to identify that, help them grow their business. And like I said, I think one will follow the other. I don't think my job is to get 98% market share of your sales. My job is to help you increase your market
0: share. I love that. Well, guys, this has seriously been an awesome conversation. I'm I'm super thankful for it. And uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Gideon and Kenneth. I absolutely loved it. And it was just so cool, you know, going back to that first night that I met Gideon, we were sitting together in this booth at TGI Fridays, which I don't know if I've ever been to a TGI Fridays in my life here on the West Coast, but that's where we were. And we just started talking about the industry. And in particular, you know, they rep, Blaze King, and Valor. And a lot of my clients have those products. And I've done a lot of training on those products. And we started getting into product stories and how we talk about these things in a way that gives value and clarity to a customer versus inundating them with useless information that doesn't matter. So we're like, you know, neck deep in this conversation about it. And as we kept talking more and more. Gideon mentioned that things in the South are different than anywhere else in the country. And there is one manufacturer in particular, if you're from the South, you know who I'm talking about, that really understands that market. And I I will go as far as to say no one else does. And we started talking about that one manufacturer and what they have done so well to draw people in from the South. And a lot of it comes down to being from there, but, but also it really does come down to relationships. And, you know, for me being a West coast guy, I feel like, I mean, I feel like in general, there's a lot of arrogance on the coastlines. I I found that in myself where I, I have to check myself and realize that, you know, I don't necessarily know, you know, what's best in order to run the world and, and the country. And, and that can definitely exist on the, especially on the coastlines. And, you know, we forget what it's like for people in situations that are different than ours. But I had a moment like that as I was talking with Gideon and then with, when Kenneth came and sat down later and what it was, was it's, it's the impact of relationships. Oftentimes it's easy to go so fast and be so results oriented that you steamroll people along the way. And I've seen this happen, I mean, in a lot of professional relationships that I've had where someone is a mover and a shaker and a driver and they have no regard for the relationships that get crushed as they, you know, go to advance their goal and their mission. And I think in in the South in particular, people from there really do value relationships. You know, they value character. They, they, they value you doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And oftentimes there is a, a pacing that's a lot slower. Like we talked about, you know, even for me, when I was booking this episode, Kenneth, you know, he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, we got to slow down. Like we got to talk about this. And as as I, as I try to translate this into my own life and into, you know, my own business and, and thinking about you know, being a a company in the hearth industry. I think that many companies think their product is good enough that they don't need relationships to carry them. I really think that's true. Now, many companies, not all, many companies though, they think their product is good enough that they don't need relationships to carry it through. And you see this with manufacturers, right? Where they don't listen to They're dealers or the way that they set up a market, for instance, has so many overlapping channels that relationally the company doesn't put value in the folks that they've chosen to carry their product forward. And there's, you know, many other examples of this, but oftentimes those companies, usually it's a manufacturer will pride themselves on saying, but we make the best products and the whole thing is like, yeah, but it doesn't matter if you don't have loyalty from the people who are selling those products. You know, Yeah. I mean, they'll sell something for a little while and you might trickle your way into growing a little bit as the economy is good. But when things start to dry up, it's the loyalty of those relationships that will carry you through. And I think that many companies, not all. But many companies have lost sight of that. You know, for a retailer, and, and I can think about, you know, past experiences that I've had where for me personally, I have not put enough stock and value into growing relationships with my customers. I can think about times on the retail sales floor where I I I didn't put the the time and effort in that I needed to. And I, I think sometimes, you know, we we say as retailers, well, you know we're not Amazon. We're not some faceless corporation. We're local. We care about people. But I would ask, okay, perfect. So how does that translate to the way that you follow up with all your customers after they purchased and ask them and ask them how the product is doing for them? Do you call your customers three months later, six months later to check in? Do you send a handwritten thank you card to them with maybe a five dollar Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts gift card to check in and make sure things are going well? These are ways that we can start to grow relationships. I I have found for me, especially now as as my world is is Wi-Fi and as a software company, you know, early on I thought that selling a software company would mean that it was just all about the software. And the biggest lesson that I've learned over the last five years as I've been on this Wi-Fi journey is it's not true. It it is the relationships that are what Carries us forward. And especially as things start to dry up, it's more important than ever that we create meaningful partnerships and we nurture those relationships. So, for me, that was my biggest takeaway from that conversation is that these guys care about that and they're actively trying to give value to the dealers that they're serving through relationship. And I think that that came out in different ways with both Kenneth and Gideon. So I hope you got a ton of value out of that conversation. It was really, really good for me. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash itsfiretime. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, next week is the last episode of this season and it's going to be a QA and a episode. So I'll be going in for really as long as it takes to answer the questions that have been given to me while this season has been going on. I'm super excited for you to hear it. I absolutely love these episodes and you know a lot of the feedback that we get is that is that these are some of the most helpful. So super, super excited for that next week. So with that said, I'm going to sign off. I hope you guys have an amazing week and we will talk again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast.